Hey, have you heard about our all-new free PDF that you can download? It's called Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. And if you're a couple that has done the date nights and attended the relationship retreats and learned the communication skills, read the latest books on marriage, but you still find yourself stuck in a loop of pain and frustration, then this PDF is for you. If one moment everything is fine and the next moment everything feels crazy and that is familiar, I encourage you to go to restoringthesoul.com, scroll down, fill in your email, and get the free copy of our all-new PDF, Five Ways Unresolved Trauma May Be Derailing Your Relationship. You're going to find it very helpful. Most people feel like they read this and they wonder if we've been reading their mail. They say, this is us. It's going to be of help. Check it out now at restoringthesoul.com. Any topic that touches human emotions can be discussed in a song. And and a song has the power to tap into both sides of the brain. You know, we process lyrics in the left hemisphere of our brain, language, and we process melody in the right hemisphere of our brain. So when you hear a song, the entire brain is engaged in a way that it's not through other uh, art forms and other mediums. So it's a tremendous way to, to get somebody to hear a message that they might not hear in any other way. And because of melody and rhythm, uh, it's also a, a mnemonic device, a memory device. And people tend to remember about nine times more of what they hear in a song than what they're told. You're listening to Restoring the Soul with Michael John Cusick. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5. I'm Michael John Cusick. Today, you'll be listening to Part 2 of a two-part conversation with my friend Steve Seiler. Steve is a prolific songwriter and the winner of four Dove Awards and numerous CCM number 1 singles to his credit. Steve is also the founder and executive director of Music for the Soul, a Christian ministry that exists to creatively use the power of songs and stories as a bridge to hope and healing for those facing life's most difficult issues. Steve is also the author of a new book called Music for the Soul and Healing for the Heart. To check out more about Music for the Soul and their resources, which can be downloaded, just visit www.musicforthesoul.org. I'm talking again with my good friend, Steve Seiler. Steve, welcome back to Restoring the Soul. Thank you, Michael. We talked in episode one about uh, your background as a songwriter and about some of what Music for the Soul is about. And in this episode, I want to walk a little deeper through the catalog of what you've created so that folks listening uh, can access these resources because uh, I've used them in my own counseling uh, practice and ministry. I've used them when I've spoken at different venues in multimedia settings. Uh, so there's videos as well as songs that you guys have created. But tell me about uh, kind of the big picture of the catalog, and then and then I want to go in deeper. Well, you know, the big picture of the catalog, people, you know, always ask me, you know, what we what we're working on and what we'd like to work on and I always say like well there's about 85 projects I'd like to do <laughs> so and you and I have talked about this how where 
when you're when you're doing something like a like a ministry and you have these big goals and these things you want to accomplish you always seem to be paying more attention to what you haven't done or what you would like to get done or what you're behind on than what you've actually done so it a question like this is is a blessing because it, it allows me to stop and just kind of turn around and look at the shelf and go well hey we haven't done everything we'd like to do, but we've done those. <laughs> and so, you know, we've been able to do to work on so many different uh, topics. And and it's been such a blessing for me because every time we work on a new record, I get to meet so many uh, committed, intelligent, hardworking people who are who have made it their a point in their life to bless others, whether it's through counseling or pastoring or working in, you know, parachurch ministry to help people through difficult issues. So right now we're working on a project for, for people um, who have uh, an abortion decision in their past for which they feel tremendous guilt and shame, and we're trying to, to set people free to know that they cannot be separated from the love of God and that there is forgiveness and that there can be life after something like that. Um, we're also working on a project right now for folks who have uh, chosen to adopt to encourage uh, families that have adopted and and to encourage those who might be considering adoption. Um, we're working on a, a project for the coming year called The Apology, which is based on a song uh, that you and I wrote a couple of years ago that we released as a single song uh, last year, which is basically a song uh, talking about the objectification of women in our culture and for men taking responsibility for that and seeking to change the way that they treat women and the way women are seen in our and and uh, represented in our culture. Uh, so, Steve, go ahead. How do you go about choosing what the topics are? I know in the case of the apology, that kind of came up with some writing that I had done, and you put music to that. But how do you go about saying we're going to do a record on abortion or we're going to do one on adoption? Well, it's really interesting, uh, and, and it's kind of a joke on me, but when we went to start Music for the Soul, I thought, well, let's see, what should we do first, you know? And I thought, well, we'll do a record on grief. And and this sounds so callous, but my thought was, because everybody has death in their family, so from a marketing standpoint, this will be something that everybody needs, right? And so that was my plan, and the reason it's a joke on me is because our grief project was the 11th project we did. <laughs> So uh, my experience has been in each and every case that I don't choose the projects. God chooses the projects and then, you know, says, uh, Steve, we're going over here, you know, and I'll be looking off in some other direction. And event after event after event will transpire until finally I will go, oh, OK, God, I see what we're doing. Um, the the first project we did was for uh, families touched by the issue of breast cancer. Uh, the way that came about was that the the uh, chairman of our board, when my board was first formed, as, when we first just were starting up, his wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer in the seventh month of her first pregnancy. And so immediately all of our attention went there. And we wound up doing a project called More Beautiful, which is a CD and DVD project. And so let me let me just ask a question because our listeners at this point might be going, "What uh, a, a DVD and audio record about breast cancer? You know, how do you have a musical record about breast cancer?" And this just might be a good 
um, mm-hmm. kind of exposition about what the rest of the projects are like. Well, it's an excellent point because people will have said to me many times, how do you write songs about pornography? And, I, you know, how do you write songs about eating disorders or and like you just said, breast cancer? And the answer is that that's not what the songs are about. The songs are about the lived experience and the opportunity for healing and the steps along the way towards healing. And the emotions that we all feel, that we all share, uh, I cannot tell you how many times someone will respond to a song that I thought was about one thing or the other with a completely different um, perspective. A perfect example, the very first letter I got after More Beautiful came out was not about breast cancer. It was from a lady who had neck surgery. Uh, and she had she lived in a, in a desert climate and had been wearing turtlenecks for years to cover the scar in her neck. And after she heard the song More Beautiful, she, she wrote me and said, I threw my turtlenecks away. I'm not hiding my scar anymore. Because she realized that having gone through that, that that was a, a beautiful part of her story was her healing and that she was a survivor of that. And so um, that happens all the time. I think if the songs are about the larger issues uh, of our hearts, the the emotions and feelings and pain we all share and the triumphs we experience of overcoming uh, these challenges and going through healing. Um, that's what the songs are about. The songs are about God's love for us and that we're never alone and, the, and that God has given us each other to walk these roads together. Um, so uh, once you understand that, you can write songs about anything. I love what you're saying that the songs are about lived experience and a comment you made earlier about how the songs don't try to fix anything. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Christian music uh, tries too hard to fix things or to bring resolution? I think in general that's a fair thing to say. Um, you know, Christian radio was designed to, um, you know, work in a three-and-a-half-minute format like like regular secular radio for the songs to last a certain amount of time and to draw listeners. And, and you know, in the case of Christian radio, it's usually then those stations ask for the support of their listeners. So in that way, it becomes a product. And, of course, the artists go on tour and they sell their their recordings when they, when they go on tour. So, it, you know, the Christian industry was really more modeled after the secular industry in that way. And as a nonprofit, you know, we don't have to meet that expectation. And so that allows us to, to write songs that don't have to resolve. You know, um, we can let something hang there. And, and I think uh, that's not something that uh, record labels are, are often in favor of. Yeah, and so Music for the Soul is its own label, so to speak, and you're not trying to write songs that are on the radio or that become popular. You do a lot of networking and collaboration with other ministries and organizations. Tell me about some of that collaboration. Yes, we do. I mean, uh, every time we do a new record, uh, we have some of the same partners because we partner with pastors and we partner with churches. And we partner with counseling centers. And obviously, in both of those environments, a variety of issues come to the attention of of the leadership. Uh, But we also will partner with specific organizations, uh, much like we have with Restoring the Soul on Somebody's Daughter. If there's there's an issue that an organization cares deeply about and they work to minister to a specific audience, it's our hope and prayer that the resources we create will, will help them reach and bless the people they want to serve. So in in each and every case, we're always looking for those kinds of partnerships. 
I want to go back to this idea of uh, projects around abortion, adoption, breast cancer, and, and probably several others from your catalog. What's it like as a songwriter to write songs without having experienced um, a certain thing, like breast cancer, Great for example? Question. Well, I, I haven't had breast cancer, but I've had other ailments, of course, as we all go through life and, and have disease and surgery and things like that come into our lives or the lives of those we love. Um, so there's always a way to get close to the feeling through your own experience, and naturally you tap into that. But what we do specifically on each Music for the Soul project, um, we do a ton of reading. Uh, we read uh, books that have been written on the topic from all perspectives, pastors, counselors, and folks who've lived through it. Then we make it a point to interview uh, in person several people who have lived the issue at hand that we're discussing. And and we often record several hours of, of those interviews, and then we live with that material. And then um, when we write, we go back to the same people and we say, okay, this is what we wrote based on what you shared. Is this your lived experience? Is this true for you? And when somebody kind of makes that gasping sound and goes, oh, that's me, that, that's, that's it, that's what it feels like, then, then we know we've done our job. And that's always my goal, is that the people who listen would be the stars of the record. It's not about some celebrity or some recording artist we all know. It's about somebody hearing their story in a record and going, okay, if that's, you know, if they can sing this to me, then I'm not the only person who's ever been through it. Then maybe they do understand, and maybe God really does understand, and I'm not alone. Wow, that's really cool. Let's talk about uh, one of the projects that I've been involved in, and that is the Somebody's Daughter Project. Tell me what that is and how it came about. Somebody's Daughter is for those who are struggling with pornography, and it came about uh, because my best friend called me late one night and said, Steve, if I don't tell somebody my secret, I'm going to lose everything. This was somebody who was a Christian songwriter, was writing number one hits for artists that any Christian music fan would know. Had a beautiful wife and two beautiful daughters from the outside. Looked like he had it all going on. And he was living this double life and could not sustain it anymore. And thank God he, he felt comfortable calling me and asking me if I would go to a sex addict's meeting with him. And as I told him uh, that night, I said, dude, I, I'm from Hollywood. You got to go pretty far to freak me out. I'd be happy to go with you. And the next night, that's what we did. We went to a sex addict's meeting. And after that, a couple days later, we got together and we're songwriters. So we processed that meeting by writing the song, Somebody's Daughter. And for, for us, it was planting a flag and saying, from this day forward, every woman that you look at, every woman that I look at has a mom and a dad and a heavenly father, and we're going to live our lives differently. And so there was no intent to do a full-length uh, album. There was certainly no intent to do a, a full-length DVD. I'd never produced a DVD before. No, no intent to do a discussion guide. No intent to do a billboard campaign. <laughs> but all of those things eventually happened in the fullness of time. So, Steve, I'd like to go ahead and play a cut from Somebody's Daughter, which is also the title track, Somebody's Daughter, and then I want to come back and have you comment on that. The moment she was born Taken by the wonder of her life From Barbie dolls to ballet shoes From roller skates to lipstick and rouge 
She's become a lady overnight Why do I see only flesh And look right past her heart I try to tell myself I can't help what I feel Then I remember She's somebody's daughter, somebody's child, somebody's pride and joy, somebody loves her for who she is inside, she has a Made her body a temple for the soul Why can't I appreciate The beauty that your hands have made And maintain my self-control Cause when I see only flesh You're looking at her heart There is so much more to her than meets the eye I need to remember She's somebody's daughter Somebody's child Somebody's pride and joy Somebody loves her
Okay, that was Somebody's Daughter. Can you tell me about uh, that song? Well, uh, as I said, John and I had been to this uh, this meeting, and we had to process the song, and we we wanted something that would be a reminder for each of us um, that every time we were tempted to look at women in an objectifying manner, that we would remember that 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 woman was was loved, beloved by a family, beloved by by her creator, and that it would call us to a better response in, in ourselves. Um, what was amazing that after I wrote that song and started talking about it with some friends, I found out I knew seven guys in the contemporary Christian music industry who were struggling with that. And, and I thought, okay, hold it. This can't just be a CCM problem. <laughs> so I started doing the research, and of course, you know what I found. And yeah, that was uh, 10 years ago, right? 2006. Oh my gosh. I- uh, well, it was released then. Uh, the writing of that album took place over a couple, three years. So that was that would have been, you know, 2002, three somewhere in there. So now, you know, 700 guys that are struggling with the same issue. Easily, easily that many. And that became not just an audio project. And I had the privilege of writing uh, an introduction, little mini essay in the liner notes to that CD. But then the audio project became a full-length DVD. Tell me about that. Well, like I said, I never intended to be a, a video producer. But one of the first things churches started saying when I would call them and, and tell them about the album was, where's the video? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> you know, it took us seven years to put the album together. I don't, I don't have a budget for a video. But God took care of that. Uh, in pretty short order, and and the pieces began to fall into place. And uh, it was just a miracle at every turn. It really was. And and the the stories that I have heard, you know, since releasing the video, and I know that it's been around the world and it's been done in Spanish now and been shown, you know, in places I'll never go, to people I'll never meet. And I've received so much response uh, in terms of the families it saved, the marriages it saved, the lives it's turned around. And so I'm just grateful that we had the opportunity to do that and that we had the opportunity of experts like yourself to speak on the piece because I really think the power of that piece is not the music videos. It's the honesty and transparency of the folks that we interviewed. Uh, it was an incredible uh, project to be a part of, and I've I've seen it uh, touch lives deeply in my own ministry, as, as I've seen with many of your resources. So let's come back. What other issues have you addressed in these different projects that you've done? Well, let's see if I can do them in order. That's the best way not to forget anything. The first one was more beautiful for breast cancer. The second one was Heroes Unsung, honoring police officers. Uh, Then we did uh, Hole in the Sight of God for families raising a special needs child. We did 50 years from now for folks who are uh, having trouble in their marriage, which I always say is if you're married, uh, at some point you've had trouble in your marriage. Um, And then Chaos of the Heart for those grieving a suicide, somebody's daughter. Uh, Tell Me What You See for Young Women Struggling with uh, Eating Disorders, Body Image Issues. We did a CD after the uh, hurricanes in uh, New Orleans, uh, after Katrina, called After the Storm, which a lot of therapists use for the issue of depression and and general, general issues of loss. Uh, We've got Dignity, uh, which is a project for caregivers, particularly folks who are caregiving for a loved one in the home. Uh, Drink Deep is for folks who are grieving. 
um, Broken to Bless is a collection of songs uh, I put out myself uh, that touch on a variety of topics. Basically, a lot of songs that we weren't able to release release through the years because they didn't really fit on an album, but I really felt like were things that would, would be a blessing for people. Uh, and then we did some single song projects. We did Crooked Road for folks living with a chronic disease. We did Child of God for sex trafficking survivors. We did Days of Hope for the homeless population. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but that, that gives you a good sense of the variety of, of the topics we've covered. It's amazing when you hear about the scope of it. Yeah, you know, the, any topic that touches human emotions can be discussed in a song. And, and a song has the power to tap into both sides of the brain. You know, we process lyrics in the left hemisphere of our brain, language, and we process melody in the right hemisphere of our brain. So when you hear a song, the entire brain is engaged in a way that it's not through other uh, art forms and other mediums. So it's a tremendous way to to get somebody to hear a message that they might not hear in any other way. And because of melody and rhythm, uh, it's also a, a mnemonic device, a memory device. And people tend to remember about nine times more of what they hear in a song than what they're told. And when you get the left brain and the right brain talking like music does, it actually creates new pathways that can heal trauma. Mm-hmm. And from my understanding from therapists is that trauma is stored primarily in the right hemisphere of the brain. So if you just talk to somebody, you're not engaging on the right hemisphere of the brain. But if you sing to them, you are. Exactly. Steve, you've talked throughout our time today about we in the plural. Who is Music for the Soul and who are the people that co-write with you? Who are the musicians? Well, I have to list literally hundreds of people. Um, you know, naturally through my long career in CCM, I was privileged to meet and work with the best people in the industry in terms of talent. And and so the writers, the musicians, the singers, uh, the technicians are all people that I've had longstanding relationships with through uh, the process of being a part of the contemporary Christian music industry. So that's a tremendous blessing. Um, the team also extends to people like yourself, to the therapists, to the folks who help me get at the heart of what we need to be talking about. So I've been blessed over the years to meet, you know, Lots and lots and lots of folks who are, are world-class experts at the issues that we deal with, and they inform our content. So I, I've never actually sat down and made a, a, a list of who the Music for the Soul family is. But I know in the case of somebody's daughter, just as an example, that DVD, we had over 200 people work on that one piece alone. So I know that, that the Music for the Soul family is, is hundreds and hundreds of very dedicated, talented people. And I understand that recently you got to record a song with the legendary Larnell Harris. Uh, Larnell has sung with us a couple times, and I asked him to literally be the voice of Jesus on our newest project, which is called Mercy Great Enough. Uh, for those who are, who have abortion remorse in their past. We Forgive You is the song where Jesus uh, says, your child is safe in heaven with me, and we forgive you. Um, I've had uh, women who've been through the abortion experience say to me that the th three things a woman needs to do is know that she's forgiven by God, that she's forgiven by the child, and then that she needs to forgive herself. And in that song, we, we deal with all three of those topics of forgiveness. And Larnell did what he always does, uh, and brought uh, professionalism, passion, intensity, and beauty uh, to a very difficult uh, topic. And, and I cannot wait for people to hear it. 
Steve, you wrote a book, Music for the Soul, Healing for the Heart. Uh, what prompted you to go from writing songs to writing a book? And what's the big idea behind that book? Well, I never really intended to write that book. But uh, I was in a meeting with uh, an agent uh, trying to find out ways to get more awareness for Music for the Soul. And, and he looked at all – I spread out all the recordings, you know, all the CDs and DVDs. I spread all that stuff out in front of him. And, and he said, this is all great. Where's the book? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? Where's the book? I've been doing all this. And he goes, that's fine. He says, people want to read your book. He said, when you're, if you're going to go out and speak and you're going to share this, people want to be able to take you home with them and you're not here. And I said, but these are all my children. I'm a part of all of these. He goes, I get it. You're not here. You need to be on this table with these resources. And he said, you need to tell your story. And so I thought, okay, um, I'd written a book previous uh, to that in 2004, so I knew what the process was. So basically, I spent nine months, uh, I spent the first four hours of every day um, nailed to the chair writing the story. And it it actually was quite a blessing because I I didn't realize how many miracles we'd actually experienced. And so it was was a gift to me to be able to to revisit those things and, and share them with the readers, but also kind of reshare them with myself. Steve, your website is musicforthesoul.org, correct? Yes. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. It's been great. It has been a delight. Thank you, Michael. God bless you and your ministry. You've been listening to another episode of Restoring the Soul. Learn more about how we cultivate freedom and wholeness of heart at restoringthesoul.com. Restoring the Soul.